Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. And good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today we are privileged to have a very special guest, Michael Ray, who is the author of The Highest Goal, The Secret That Sustains You in Every Moment. Michael has written many books, a couple of which have included Creativity in Business and one of my favorites, The Path of the Everyday Hero. Michael is a Stanford Grad School of Business professor, has been for a long time, and um, I can't wait to hear about what you're teaching those grad students. Michael, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Cheryl. Great to be here. Oh, it's great to have you here. So let's just get down to your absolute love, creativity. Mm-hmm. Why is creativity so important in the business world? Well, I think it's important in the business world for the same reason that's important in other parts of life, and that it is, to me, uh, the most essential aspect of life. It's what life is all about. We're mm-hmm. a creation. We create things. And, uh, and it's especially important in business because uh, business is... Uh, you know, people, we have this course at Stanford called Personal Creativity in Business, and when we first started teaching, people would say, uh, that's an oxymoron, you know, creativity <laughs> in business. Right. But really, uh, you can see from my books uh, that people in business, when they talk about this, will say that, that uh, it's really in many ways more creative than the things we classically think of as creative. Uh, because unlike art and and uh, and dance and uh, uh, and uh, theater and movies and things like that, that that uh, you know these are real people and real objects and with great stakes and so on that are always moving and always unpredictable and so on. You don't have the kind of control, um, and yet at the same time you have an opportunity to change the way the world operates the better and uh, so that's that's really key and it's also key from a competitive standpoint and something more than a competitive standpoint because when you're creative you get into a um, uh, not being so concerned with uh, with competition in the uh, uh, in the in the kind of uh, zero-sum game kind of competition you get you get interested in, in terms of of uh, what you can create, and you keep moving forward and so on, and you begin to bring in other people into the right. into the mix. Right. So it doesn't it doesn't uh, it isn't people fighting for a particular portion of the pie or something like that. Although that's that's important, but it's creating new ways of looking at the world and so on, so that the business becomes. Uh, the function of, of, of business, as I see it, is for the, um, to put it simply, is, is, is for the personal development of all the people in it and the, and the communities around them. And, uh, and when you have that as, as your goal, everything else follows from that. And that's why I think creativity, as one representation of that, is so important. I, in your book, um, I read the... Um forward by Jim Collins, mm-hmm. who wrote um, Built to Last and mm-hmm. Good to Great. And mm-hmm. 
Um, and he was talking about having been a grad student in, mm-hmm. at Stanford's MBA um, courses mm-hmm. and that he thought you were a little nuts the first day he sat yeah, in your right. classroom. Yeah. Um, I imagine you get that response a lot. Yeah, it, it's uh, less so than when he took it. He took it. Uh, <laughs> we taught it there for 25 years, you know, and so wow. he took it about the third third year that we taught it. Wow. And um, this wonderful collaborator named uh, Rochelle Myers, and he writes about her. And she um, had no real business background, but tremendous creativity uh, potential, and uh, I mean credentials, and and also um, uh, you know a great track record and be able be being able to teach it in, in the in the deep way that we teach it. So that uh, when we first started teaching the course, the students would say. Um, you know, they'd want to have lunch with me or coffee and say, you know, this isn't really what we wanted. We wanted something where we uh, learned all kinds of technology for getting ideas and so on or managing creative organizations and so on. And uh, those things, uh, getting ideas and managing creative organizations can come from this, but what we go for in this course is a very deep kind of creativity. And uh, so he didn't see that, and a lot of students don't see that in the first class session. Although, once a course has been successful, the way our course has been successful, uh, you know, the word is out about it. So, yeah, yeah. as the years went on, I got fewer and fewer people like that. But uh, in his case, it was really funny because he, uh, you know, he thought he'd take something light, I guess, in the midst of all these mathematically founded courses, uh. and he came in the course and and it was weirder than he ever thought it would be in in his opinion and then he went home and he talked to his wife Joanne who's quite a accomplished person in her own right and so on she's been a triathlete and uh wow. and a coach and so on things of that sort a, co- a coach a track coach and so uh-huh. on uh-huh. and um has a degree from the law school at Stanford and an MBA from Stanford and everything else. But she um, she heard what he was saying and heard a little bit about the course, and she said, I think it might be valuable for you. you know, maybe you <laughs> could just stay in that a little bit, because she knew that it was really going to be helpful for him, because he was so uh, driven, you know, as a lot of MBA students are and, and so on, and, right. and not, um, not necessarily thinking about... Um, the fundamental issues behind everything that we do, and mm-hmm. and that's what this course is about. It's uh, we had one student come in, well, one alum of the class come in, and he said, uh, uh, you know, we we'd have alums come in particularly early in the in the course, and then we found that our alums were really being very successful beyond our expectations. So we brought them back for that reason too, because they had been creative, but. This particular fellow came in and he said, uh, this course is not about creativity and it's not about business, but it's the most important course I've ever taken. And so the student said, well, what's it all about? And he said, it's about being yourself in life, you know, capital S, self in life. And um, and that's what it's about. So that's why I think Joanne, Jim Collins' wife, Joanne Collins, uh, 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 sensed that. And right. uh, said, right. you know, I think you better stay in that class, Jim. And it became the foundation of a lot of things he does. Right. I mean, his his books are very much um, 
founded on uh, on uh, personal organizational development and on a very deep sense of what organizations are all about. You know, I'm wondering about um, where it came from in you that you decided that teaching something like this would add such value to an MBA program. Well, you know, it wasn't one decision, as these things normally are, and um, it really came from a whole series of events going back to my childhood, actually. Hmm. And uh, I won't, I won't go through the whole thing, but uh, well, you can give us the highlights. <laughs> give the highlights. <laughs> yeah, I, I um, was very interested in, in creativity. I'll, I'll just uh, fast forward to. Uh, uh, in, in college, and I, I took uh, a major in psychology. In fact, my PhD is in social psychology. I never really took any degrees in business, and uh, two in journalism, and specializing in advertising. And that's where you know I got, I got into business and so on. And then two in social psychology. And uh, I can remember with, in a, as an undergraduate, I, I did some experimentation in terms of in terms of creativity and so on. And then. When I came back for my Ph.D. in, um, in social psychology, this is all at Northwestern in, in Illinois, I, um, I was teaching. I was teaching um, advertising courses and so on, and I had a session that I developed on creativity and on getting ideas and so on, and it was really one of the highlights of the course. And then I taught a course on advertising management, and that also had a section on, on creativity. And then I did uh, a, uh, a master's thesis uh, in uh, in the uh, in the program in the in the journalism school there uh, that was talking about uh, creative processes and so on. So I had a lot of work in that area. And when I came to Stanford, I started teaching those segments of my courses and so on. And then I had kind of a uh, an epiphany uh, and kind of a lot of, of real difficult times. Uh, I was very successful on the outside, but I also had, you know, some really jolting times going on in my personal life, and I began to seek for uh, ways of kind of dealing with that and... Uh, a number of things came up with that, and one of the things I was involved in is something that today is called the Hoffman Quadrinity Process, and uh, Rochelle Myers was one of the other participants in this, and she was in my group. We had the same teacher within this. There, you know, uh, we have a teacher for every four or five people, and so on. And so we we had the same teacher, and I got to know her, and I was very impressed by her. Hmm. And um, then I got tenure. <laughs> which is important, you know. And I and I uh, and I said to Rochelle, I think we could teach a uh, a course, you know. And and uh, we began to talk about it. And Rochelle at that time had what she called the Myers Institute for Creative Studies in in San Francisco, and it was in this beautiful building where she lived. It was a, a Victorian, uh, four or five stories, and on the top floor she had this amazing room that could handle all sorts of creative work, but I remember meeting in her kitchen, and, and I said, uh, well, here's what I know about creativity, and I started, and I, I knew a lot about it, uh, you know, and I did research on it and everything else, 
but it wasn't the kind of creativity that the course ended up being. It was a lot about getting ideas and and uh, uh, and managing people and creative types and all that sort of thing. And I started giving her sort of what my lecturette would be, and she said, "Do I have to sit here and listen to this?" And she <laughs> said, "You know, if you want to do it with the students, that would be all right." Oh, and so we just great. evolved this whole thing about uh, about dealing with a- ambiguous situations and uh, uh, bringing together, uh, you know, uh, all your resources and and all that sort of thing. And um, we went through a lot of back and forth work on it and so on uh, to get it into the curriculum. And um, I have to give credit to Stanford's the Graduate School of Business there because. At that time, and there's still some of this there. There's uh, there's something they call the one year rule, where you can um, teach a course for one year without full faculty approval. Mm. You have to get the dean's approval, and and you know normally the dean will will talk with somebody either in the business school on campus who has a capability in the area, and they'll sort right. of approve it and see if it's all right or not. And um, so I I actually. Did two years of it. I used a, a marketing. I taught in the marketing area, and I used a, a marketing seminar number to teach it the first year. And the second year, I taught it under the one-year rule. And then we had um, uh, then we went to the full faculty in the spring meeting where they approved these things. And I got kind of nervous about it, you know, because uh, my students were saying things like, if the deans only knew what you were doing in this class, you'd be out of there so quickly, you know. And I knew I wouldn't be out of there, but I wanted to keep yeah. teaching the class because it was something really special was happening with it. Well, and I want to know more about what was so special about that Good. when we come back from this break. Great. From the stock market floor to your computer, you're listening to Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. It has been said that to live is to choose, but to choose well, you must know who you are and what you stand for, where you want to go, and why you want to get there. On Reap What You Sow, with host, performance management specialist, and executive coach, Alana Daly, achievement and success through expanding yourself and your life is available at the click of a mouse. Reap, redefining your goals. Educate your mind, your body, your conscious, and unconscious. Apply what you learn and plan, and it shall be. Success, over and over again, and wealth result when you reap regularly reap what you sow with alana daily broadcast each thursday at 11 a.m pacific 2 p.m eastern on the voice america business channel reap what you sow learn the rules of the game then play better than anyone else tune in every tuesday at 8 a.m pacific time for the growth strategist with aldana ambler on the show aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you the business owner back Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart. 
grow profit, and grow your business with Aldana Ambler and the Grow Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. 401s, stock, mortgage, retirement, wealth. We cover it all. Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And we're back. We're speaking with Michael Ray today. He's the author of The Highest Goal, The Secret That Sustains You in Every Moment. Michael, before break, we were talking about your um, years of experience at Stanford MBA program and how you began um, teaching creativity. Um, so tell us about what um, the specific elements of, of the program were. You know, What was so special about it that was happening? Well, the thing that happened is that um, well, I wanted to just finish the little bit of that story that I was telling ah. before about the uh, – so we went to this full faculty meeting, and the, the genius of this one-year rule was that um, I thought that there might be attacks on the course and things of that sort from the faculty. But they came to that point, and they said, well, you've already received a list of the courses that have been under the one-year rule, and uh, – does anybody have any comments? No comments. Um, does anyone call for a vote? And uh, they somebody called for a vote. I called a question, and they voted unanimously all the one-year rule classes in. And I realized that the, as I say, the genius of this was that that nobody is going to comment on your course because they're <laughs> going to have a course coming up soon anyway. You know. And they had a sunset clause for it, too, that if the course wasn't taught over, a say, a three-year period or something like yeah. that, that, they would drop it from the catalog and that kind of thing. But it created an enormous churn there. So it was kind of a creative aspect in itself. And so the aspects of the course that I think would have caused me that concern and also are uh, with with the other faculty and the deans of sort of boogeyman that didn't exist, really, mm-hmm. but the... Um, are that the the course really goes for um, the highest aspects of our lives. You know, somebody, uh, uh, Professor uh, uh, Tanaka from uh, from Japan, uh, yeah. talks about the the reason uh, the purpose of an organization is to support the self transcending uh, behaviors of the people within. The organization, you know, so it really talks about transcendence, you know, and sort of enlightenment and so on that could come from your work life. And uh, in this class, we asked two questions, and this is how it's evolved, and this was always part of it from the beginning. And the two questions are, who is myself, capital S, self, and what is my work, capital W, work? So what we're asking, what we're asking the students to ask through the the whole course is, uh, you know, who are you at core? You know, what are the distinctive qualities you have? What's the sort of power and energy that you have inside? And at the same time asking, what's the purpose of your existence? You know, why are you here? Uh, what is it that you have to contribute? But beyond that, uh, you know, just what is, you know, almost a cosmic sense, why why are you here? And uh, And when we talk about creativity, we're not talking about just getting ideas. We're talking about the highest 
experiences in life, the kind of experience you have when you look into the face of a newborn baby, especially if it's your baby, okay. the kind of experience you have when um, when you say just the, exactly the right thing, or you hit a perfect tennis shot or golf shot or dance step, or when you have a meeting that goes particularly well, when there's a sort of flow and conversation that you have sure. with somebody. I imagine some of the the conversations that you have on this program can be like that, where you get to that particular point. It's like the um, the experience you have when you're in uh, what um, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi calls flow, you know, from that book, mm-hmm. uh, where you're so absorbed in something that you know, there could be a slight earthquake or tremor or something like that, and the ceiling tiles could fall down, and you still keep working on what you're working on. And then you look <laughs> up and say, well, what... You know what's going on with construction nowadays that these things are falling around. With, you know, looking at the floor and so on. And so it's being so absorbed. You know, he's done this research all over the world that it finds that people are happiest when they're working on something that that is challenging to them, and they get absorbed in this state. And that and that state itself is is the is the key to what we're talking about in terms of creativity. Or it's. Uh, Making your life itself a work of art, or it's uh, like the experience you have in the beginning of a of a hot new love affair. You know, right. and, and I always, when I talk about this, I often say when I'm speaking to groups or something like that that that's one of the um, one of the assignments in the class that we ask people to get into serial love affairs so they can experience <laughs> the sort of thing. You know, but but when you think of that, when you're in when you're in love. And this doesn't have to be a hot new love affair. Just when you're in love and you're experiencing that, that um, you know you can go into work or wherever, and you have a problem that you couldn't deal with before, and suddenly you're able to deal with it. You know, right. and you have people that are sort of your enemies and so on, and and suddenly they become your friends because you're in love. It's like the um, the idea of a, a catalyst in chemistry, something that creates a reaction but doesn't get depleted in its own, in itself you know and so you're yeah. it's that's what we're going for and um, uh, and not just going for these these peak experiences so to speak but to have that all the time or as much as possible to have that all the time so really be living in that space exactly living yeah. in that space you know and uh, so we've created a uh, a structure and a lot of approaches that we use that we now um, about ten years ago, we developed software that that replaces class sessions, so that we can go into companies doing this and so on. Oh, and and uh, you know, and a large part of what I do now is not um, is not academic. I have a whole group of teachers that uh, are just incredible people. I don't know where they came from. It's like they came from another planet or something. They're just <laughs> amazingly uh, adept at this at this work and so on and. Uh, it's kind of like the experience I had. This is kind of a little little detour here, but I had with uh, with Jim Collins because he he went off and and after his degree began to work for Hewlett Packard and so on. But was it wasn't really right for him. He, I think he writes about this that he discovered that he loved business, but not necessarily working in it, but really helping people, other people, to work in it and kind of studying it and everything else. So he. Um, he got a capability to uh, to teach this creativity course of ours, and he actually taught it at Stanford for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then, when I would get requests to speak, I would always refer them to uh, refer the the people to uh, to Jim. 
and uh, because I was at that time, at that particular time, I wasn't really interested in doing a lot of, of speaking. I was more interested in doing my research and writing and everything else. And so I would have to convince the people who would call about how great he was, because he's really an amazing speaker and so on, an amazing writer, as we now have all found out since then. This right, is you know right. over twenty years ago, but he um, and I would I would say this this fellow is really better than me. You know, he's just just fantastic, and they and over time I would be able to convince people about that and so on. And that's the way I feel about the current teachers I have, and. What would ha- what finally happened over over time is that uh, I got a call from somebody saying they wanted um, they they wanted a speaker and so on and I said well I have this fellow Jim Collins and so on and they said um, no you don't understand we've already called Jim and he suggested you <laughs> <laughs> so I mean okay. these people that I work with are just uh-huh. fantastic so we do this in a lot of other other places yeah. um, and well, you know, uh, I, I'm, it- I'm struck by the fact that, you know, you are teaching grad students, um, you know, people who are probably in their 20s and 30s, that you can define your purpose at this age. And Mm -hmm. this question, who am I, why am I here, so often occurs when people hit their late 40s and 50s. That's right. And so what a gift to be able to start out with this question. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder, um, you know, Stanford is known for producing real innovative thinkers. Mm-hmm. And um, it seems to me that, you know, it, it, this has really fed that culture. It has helped create that culture. Would you say that's true? I think it's been a contributor. Uh, it's hard to say. You know, I've had so many people like Jim who have taken the course, and they've been very successful. But uh, one of the things that Stanford does, and particularly the business school, is it just a wonderful filter because it's so hard to get in there. Right. And we get such an amazing people. Right. It's like these people I work with and, and teach in the course now that um, it's hard to say. It's it's a real chicken and egg problem, you know, because it's uh, the sure. course is sure. influential, the the whole area of Silicon Valley, the whole tradition there of, of doing yeah. that, the um, yeah. uh, and Stanford being that way, too. It's just... Uh, it's hard to say, but it, it, I mean, it comes out in so many different ways. I mean, there are so many Nobel laureates from from Stanford and so on. And uh, we had just, one just just died, uh, uh, Arthur Kornberg, and his his son, which um, my wife and I actually rented our place out when we uh, we were going to Australia for a semester. I was teaching down there, uh-huh. and uh, his son and his son. Um, uh, also won a Nobel Prize after that, you know. Wow. So there's um, there's a real chicken and egg problem that's no pretty easy to, <laughs> pretty easy to solve, no you kidding. know. So I'm I'm very I'm I'm I wouldn't say very, but I'm humble about um, mm. this course. And what I know is that it's um, it's an amazing experience to teach it. And you're right to uh, have these people in their you know the median age of of MBA students is about 26 or 27, yeah. and then and they always are people who have had business experience, so they they have that. Right. And then we also get some students who are in their 30s and uh, mid 30s to 40s who are in the Sloan Management program there. But um, and some people would say that that that's a very tough. Uh, the 20, people in their 20s are not thinking about these things. You know, they're just uh, 
they're in the heat of the battle, so to speak, and they're really achieving and so on, particularly people in an MBA program and so on. They're, they're out there and they're looking for more and, um, and that kind of thing and not thinking about questions like, why am I doing this and who am I to be doing this and is there something other than uh, the world says is a, is a perfect thing to be doing? Is there something more right, right for me? Well, I want to talk a little bit more about just exactly what you do with them. Okay. (laughs) From the stock market floor to your computer, you're listening to Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. It has been said that to live is to choose, but to choose well, you must know who you are and what you stand for, where you want to go, and why you want to get there. On Reap What You Sow, with host, performance management specialist, and executive coach, Alana Daly, achievement and success through expanding yourself and your life is available at the click of a mouse. Reap through redefining your goals. Educate your mind, your body, your conscious, and unconscious. Apply what you learn and plan, and it shall be success over and over again, and wealth result when you reap regularly. Reap what you sow with Alana Daly, broadcast each Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Reap what you sow, learn the rules of the game, then play better than anyone else. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific time for The Growth Strategist with Eldana Ambler. On the show, Eldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Eldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit, and grow your business with Eldana Ambler and The Growth Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific time, right here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. 401s, stock, mortgage, retirement, wealth. We cover it all. Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. We're back. We're speaking with Michael Ray today. Michael, in your book, The Highest Goal, The Secret That Sustains You in Every Moment, um, you talk a lot about the steps within the process Mm -hmm. of achieving the highest goal, which Mm -hmm. which I I guess in a nutshell, the highest goal is really um, being who you are. Is Is that how you would describe it? Yeah, I think... When I was giving you those examples before about uh, being in love and the chemical catalyst and being in flow and things of that sort, uh, that's really what it is. I mean, in a lot of traditions, they they'll they'll talk about and really, in, you know, if you want to take it to its extreme, being enlightened or the mm. as uh, Professor I said Tanaka, it's Nonaka, 
uh, you know, saying that the um, the self-transcending uh, experiences of people. So it's uh, it's having that connection to your own creative resource and to something larger in your life. So it's like like being in flow, um, being connected the way you you are when you look into the face of a newborn right. baby, and right. and that right. that sort of purity and so on, and and uh, and so also the goal that energy. Is the goal is about achieving that state and yeah, that, being in that state as much as possible. Okay. So it's really, in a way, it's kind of being in communication or communi- communion with your, your highest state or the highest that you can imagine. Right. About right. having that all the time. Right. And, you know, when you look at that, like, how, how could this course do anything like that? You know, and, and um, you know, you mentioned the, the subtitle of the book is The Secret That Sustains You in Every Moment. And, uh, and that's really the secret that that you don't really. It isn't that you get to the highest goal and then oh I've achieved it and now what do I achieve after that? Right. In fact, um, almost no one achieves this continuous state of being in that state. I mean, you could talk about saints and people like that who uh, might right. might achieve that and so on, but. Uh, it's one of those things where the old line about it's the journey is more important than the destination because it's it's a, it's trying to achieve that all the time, mm-hmm. and um, it's kind of a it's kind of almost a psychological bootstrapping thing where you you get an experience like that and if you can pay attention to it and celebrate it then when you get into a new situation. Um, you know, you you can can go back to that situ- that other situation, and you know that you've achieved it before. You know, you've done it before, sure. and maybe it's not the same situation, but you know that you have that ability within you, and you're and open so to it. What are some of the things that you actually do with students or with? You're really trying to get to that, aren't you? I am. I want to know what is it you do. You know, I know. Okay. Here I am. I, I understand you have to be, but I, but I know. Or <laughs> wait a minute. But you have to do something. You have to do something. Yeah, I think the quickest way to tell you what we do, and I, I think I can do this fairly quickly, is to just talk about the assumptions that we make hmm. in in doing this, and then the what we do comes comes out of that because you know it's a it's a pretty uh, daunting goal to say that we can help people to be in that state all the time. Oh, yeah. So one of the assumptions we make is that this kind of creativity is essential. It's not just an add-on, but it's essential for health, happiness, and success in business and life. And the second one we make is that this kind of creativity is within everyone, that everyone has the chance to uh, to achieve the highest goal, to have that kind of communion, they have that kind of power and so on. And the third one is that, um, that even though we all have this creativity within us, it's uh, it's hidden by fear, judgment, the chattering of the mind, what we in this book call the um, the voice of judgment or the VOJ. Right. Uh, it's this uh, this chattering voice inside of us of blame and criticism and so on that other people call the gremlin or the or even the ego or whatever that's kind of covering that over. So the job we have to do, and that's why I'm getting to what we do in the class, the job we have to do is uncover that um, that creative resource that we have, uh, and get rid of the voice of judgment and so on. And um, the best way to do that is the fourth assumption. That assumption is that that you can become, 
consistently creative or connected to your highest goal or connected to your highest powers or be able to manifest them all the time by simply paying attention to the times when you're creative. So it's being conscious about your own creativity, which is easier said than done because um, because you do have this voice of judgment that's telling you, oh, you're not creative. You just copy that from somebody else. So, so I forget about that. You know, what are you what are you going to do for me now, and so on. And the fifth assumption is also very important, and that is that that creativity is pretty much idiosyncratic. That everybody has their own way of of being creative and their own way of manifesting it, and so on. And that's why in this course we do um, a lot of different kinds of, of techniques of, uh, you know, uh, typical sort of verbal kinds of things, and but also uh, you use music and dance and use a, probably a dozen different kinds of meditation at any time, and we use uh, uh, movement and uh, mm. uh, all sorts of, of game kinds of things and so on that allow people to uh, find what their path is. Now, when we get to the um, the, the fourth assumption about um, that we need to pay attention to our own creativity, that's where uh, one of the key aspects of this course that comes in. It's called live with, and um, live with, yeah, live with. And what those are are sort of heuristics or sort of credos for living, I guess you would say, and they're uh-huh. things like. Um, if at first you don't succeed, surrender, or <laughs> or pay attention, or um, ask dumb questions, or um, uh, do what you love, love everything you do. And what we ask is that um, uh, people in our course will um, uh, live with, for a week, live with one of these live-withs. And each of the live-withs is connected to a particular tool or practice of creativity uh, we have four major ones that we go through or it's connected to a particular uh, life challenge that we've discovered you know one of the um, themes of the course along with uh, these two questions that I mentioned who is myself what is my work uh, and the theme of finding your own path which is another one is to uh, be able to meet life's challenges and we very often well every time we we teach the course, uh, particularly when it's in business situations, we'll ask people about a major challenge that they have in their lives, a major uh, issue or problem or obstacle that they have. And we really put an edge on it. We ask, we ask uh, what's a, um, an issue or a problem or an obstacle that you have in your life that if you could solve the problem or deal with the issue or remove the obstacle, your life would be changed immeasurably for the better. And we really mean immeasurably. We really mean that it would be a qualitative difference rather than a quantitative difference. It's not just making more money, but being put in a in a whole new world. You know, Rochelle Myers said about um, about the course that this isn't uh, like redecorating your apartment. It's about moving to a whole new city, and uh, and that's what this that's what this is about. You know, this is a, about uh, making these big changes. And so we ask we ask that question, and what people come up with is usually something that um, that we call problem of the middle range, something that c- keeps coming up over and over again in different forms. 
And we've tabulated those, and we have six of those challenges. And so we have live widths that go with those challenges. So um, the one that comes up most often in um, uh, in certainly in academic settings is the challenge of finding purpose and, and mm. vision for your life. Sure. And um, and then the second one that comes up most often is um, <clears throat> is um, dealing with time and stress. And then the third one, which uh, didn't come up until we began to move out of um, out of academia as much, it came up in different forms. Is uh, is uh, developing uh, great relationships and dealing with relationships in your life. And then the fourth one is balance, um, uh, finding developing balance in your life, which now we really talk about in terms of developing uh, synergy and so on. And uh, and then uh, the challenge of finding true prosperity, which is a really important one for people, and certainly in the business school and so on. And um, and then the challenge of bringing your individual uh, creativity and your individual uh, strength and power into the world. You know, not just just for yourself, but bringing it out and sharing it. And so we have a live with for each of those of those kinds of things, or actually a series of live withs. Uh-huh. And it's really amazing, um, you know, if you take the live with for relationships, which is see with your heart, uh, and it brings out compassion and so on. Uh, that um, it's amazing when a person lives with something like that for a week, or however long it is. It can be different lengths of time, and they they're uh, they're asked to really pay attention and really try out different things in terms of working with people they don't get along with and things of that sort. Um, and then they write something about it or tell somebody else, like a coach or whatever, mm-hmm. how um, they have these amazing breakthroughs. I mean, I, I have um, very often will have tears in my eyes when I read what happens to people, you know, in, in terms of dealing with stress, for instance. We have a, a live with there, which is um, which brings together... Nike and uh, Bobby McFerrin. It's called uh, "Don't Worry, um, Just Do It." <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, just do it. Yeah, don't worry, just okay. do it. And uh, and so it's um, um, and when they when they do that, when they begin to look at uh, the the um, the depth of of their stress and so on, begin to deal with fears and so on. It's it's like turning fears into breakthroughs and so on. So. Um, and they they get a chance to go in this fairly deeply, um, and they get feedback from us. And and more and more as we work with groups, we're allowing people to uh, or asking people to um, to write their reflections and share their reflections with other people in their companies, which is a really difficult thing when you start out. But um, it's amazing what happens because it creates a tremendous amount of community and so on. Well, and a lot of takes a lot of courage to be that vulnerable. I want to talk about a couple of these um, live lists when mm-hmm. we come back from this break. Great. From the stock market floor to your computer, you're listening to Voice America Business. 
Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. It has been said that to live is to choose, but to choose well, you must know who you are and what you stand for, where you want to go, and why you want to get there. On Reap What You Sow, with host, performance management specialist, and executive coach, Alana Daly, achievement and success through expanding yourself and your life is available at the click of a mouse. Reap, redefining your goals. Educate your mind, your body, your conscious, and unconscious. Apply what you learn and plan, and it shall be. Success, over and over again, and wealth result when you reap regularly reap what you sow with alana daily broadcast each thursday at 11 a.m pacific 2 p.m eastern on the voice america business channel reap what you sow learn the rules of the game then play better than anyone else tune in every tuesday at 8 a.m pacific time for the growth strategist with aldana ambler on the show aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you the business owner back Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit, and grow your business with Aldana Ambler and the Growth Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. 401s, stock, mortgage, retirement, wealth. We cover it all. Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. We're back with Michael Ray. Michael, you were speaking about the live with, mm-hmm. the um, ways of being that you would like your students or people who are going through your course to try on for mm-hmm. a week at a time to mm-hmm. see how it how it works for them. One of the live whiffs that you um, list in your book um, in the category of purpose, prosperity, and challenge, mm-hmm. it says, "Do only what is easy, effortless, and enjoyable." Mm-hmm. So you're telling me that you're you're telling somebody to do only what is easy, effortless, and enjoyable for a whole week. That's right. Yeah. Well, what happens to the rest of the stuff everybody has to do that's not so easy, yeah, takes yeah. a lot of effort, and, you know, just face it, we just can't like everything we're going to do, right? Right, right. So what, how do we do that? Well, it's interesting. Uh, I just want to say a little bit about where that comes into the course. You know, we have these four tools for creativity, which are which are having faith in your own creativity, an absence of judgment, the absence of this VOJ, you know, and so on. Right. And, uh and precise observation and penetrating questions. And then we go through those four again as we go through the particular challenges. So the faith in your own creativity comes in with the um, uh, the challenge of finding purpose. And, um, and uh, the first live with that we used in that, we don't use it anymore, is this live with of uh, do only what is easy, effortless, and enjoyable. And, uh, and you can tell that uh, we were in the quarter system at Stanford, so it's a 10-week quarter. So this is the fifth week, and fifth or sixth week, depending on how we do it. And um, 
and they're asked, and it's usually midterm week, you know, and they have these papers and everything else going on and, and courses that they may not like, like accounting and uh, microeconomics right. or whatever it might be. Right. And so um, I remember the first time we gave them that live with, and now we give people a little more background on it and so on, but we just said, um, so for this week, uh, live with, do only what is easy, effortless, and enjoyable. And they said, are you kidding? You know, what are you talking about? You know, it's just like the question that you right. just asked. You know, what's this all about? But when you begin to get into it, and that's, that's probably the most extreme version of it, but the one that we use now is do only what you love, love everything you do. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's the one that I, I feature in the Highest Goal book, and then you've got the do only was easy, effortless, and enjoyable because I have a list of these live with. So right. it's kind of encouraging people to try what they want to try. But if you look at that one and look at easy, effortless, and enjoyable, what it pushes you to do is to find out what's really right for you in every moment of your life, and at the same time, begin to think about this um, from thirty thousand feet, so to speak. You know, to be able to look down in your life and say. Um, you know, maybe this isn't isn't easy, effortless, and enjoyable. But how can I make it easy, effortless, and enjoyable? Given that I really want to learn the content of this accounting course, because in order to be a big uh, a business person, I really need to know this. Mm-hmm. And how can I make it so that it's really going to be fun for me? And it's amazing how creative people get. You know, when they do these live wits, they get really quite creative about it, so that they get to the point where. Even what before that week might have been the worst possible thing that they could think of becomes really something um, that is really uh, important to them and and uh, is is fun to do and it's kind of this you know how does this time fly by so quickly you know kind of thing. Well, and it sounds like you're really giving them permission to play with it a little bit. That's know? right, and, definitely. And to give them permission to reframe the way they step into a, a situation or an experience. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm curious about a couple of things. One is the voice of judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it seems like it is something that is ever-present in most of us. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it's not our, our voice. Oftentimes it's someone else's voice. It definitely is not our voice, uh, I, I believe. Oh, good. I'm glad to know that. <laughs> <laughs> so what is, um, how do you get people past the point of listening to that voice? Well, it's, it's step by step. It's kind of little steps make big feats, you know. It's uh, With these live-withs, we give, them the, we give them a live-with in that section. The one we're using currently is... is um, uh, is psych out the VOJ, and it's it's really thinking about it as something that's separate from you, you know, so that you're it's like a worthy adversary that you have to deal with, and so they're so if we just gave that live with, we give them some suggestions and so on, and they they read something about it, and we talk about what the VOJ is and where it comes from and everything else, but basically they have to figure out some way to really deal with it. And thinking of it as a worthy adversary, and so on. And um, you know, these livewits are just for a week or so, but it starts a process that that goes on from there. And some of the things that we suggest is that um, you can you can shout at it. You know, when you notice it coming up, you can say, "Get the hell out of my life!" You know? <laughs> and maybe not out loud or whatever, but just to just to notice it. And uh, 
one of the things that really seems to work with the VOJ, especially when you get the idea that this is really the voice of your parents and your and, uh, your teachers and people early in your life, you know, there there are studies that are done. I cite some of these studies in in the books that um, show that uh, that up to about four or five years old, children are pretty much geniuses in terms of creativity and and so on. And then it sort of drops down uh, from whatever it is at that point, 95% to, uh, you know, by by the time they're 10 years old to like 30%. And, you know, it just keeps dropping until when they're 18 or so, it gets down to 5% or something like that. And the question is, where did that go? And it didn't go anywhere. It's just been covered over by the VOJ. So it's all in there. And so just by observing it, you know, and just noticing the number of times it comes up and what it says and everything else, because it really is pretty ridiculous when you begin to listen to it. And then uh, and attacking it is one thing, making it look ridiculous, Um and after a while, it kind of gets gets weakened and so on. So you can almost say the poor little VOJ. On the other hand, <laughs> it's very sneaky. You know, it keeps sure. coming back. You know, you have a success, and then suddenly you get toward um, toward depression or something like that because it, you know you get these highs and lows and so on. Sure. But the real, the really important aspect of dealing with the VOJ is to just kind of blast past it. One of the um, the uh, uh, live what we had for the VOJ was uh, destroy judgment, create curiosity. And so there's another aspect that we have, uh, and you can name all sorts of aspects that we have within us, but it's called the voice of objective intelligence. And the voice of objective intelligence is very curious. It sort of says, well, what's going on here, and so on. And you can see, even when you get into really extreme forms of the VOJ, like fears and so on, that come up in, in terms of stress, you know, that, that challenge when you we do the the VOJ again, uh, absence of judgment uh, tool the second time when we get into stress, that observation is just very, very powerful when you deal with a fear that the best way to deal with a fear is to move toward it and, and understand it and so on because the basis of it, the energy of it is the same energy that that is uh, there in joy and uh, compassion and uh, and strength and will and everything else but it's it takes it's a matter of just observing it and it becomes becomes a strength rather than a limitation right and so that makes it really important in leadership um, in terms of how you help people to move forward to take risks to Mm -hmm. encourage them to think outside the box. It becomes Mm -hmm. important to make sure you're not that voice of judgment. That's right. It sounds like you're talking about one of my favorite topics, which is generative leadership. Mm. I I have a friend, uh, Bill Veltrup, who really uh, has conceptualized the idea of of generative leadership. And we were in a small group together, and somebody said, um, I think it was Sarah Hart, she said, What's generative leadership? And it was just such a a sparkling, dumb question. It was just a beautiful question because we had all this material that Bill had written and given us in this group and and so on. She asked about it, and it just hit me at one point that um, that generative leadership is being like nature because nature is so generative and so on and and works on its waste products. Waste is food, is 
Bill McDonough talks about it and, and uh, never reduces its, its natural endowment and so on and, and just is endlessly creative and generative in that way. And I and I just sort of blurted all this out. It just came out of me. And, I, and that that, um, that generative leaders create cura- uh, create creativity. Wow. And and that's you know kind of goes back to the first question you asked me because why is why is creativity so important? And and uh, and I think generative leadership is so important in this time when we really need everybody to be creative and. In, in an appropriate way, not in a crazy way, Indeed. but an appropriate way. And, Indeed. Uh, Indeed we do. Michael Ray, this has uh, been quite an enlightening hour we've spent together. We've come to the end of our time today. It's amazing. So, I know. It's, it's, it's what happens when you get creative. Um, so I want to invite you back again to talk more about this from the leadership perspective. Anytime. Um, yes, I really so enjoy Michael, talking to you. Michael, if people want to get in touch with you or to learn more about your work, do you have a website? Yeah, the best one to go to is, is www.michael.com dash ray hyphen not an underline mm-hmm. michael hyphen ray dot com dot com great yeah and it's uh, cool. and there's a little survey you can take on there I give you some feedback on it and uh, oh, great it's still you know as all these sites are it leaves so much to be de- desired but there's all the basic information <laughs> no now is that a voice of judgment I hear <laughs> no no it's a, it's a, you know the opportunity and challenges I'm bringing up there <laughs> okay okay well Michael thank you so much your book is the highest goal the secret that sustains you in every moment it's been a pleasure having you here so remember everyone think big the world could become a better place because of a conversation that matters this is Cheryl Esposito thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and leading conversations you can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel if you have a question or comment for Cheryl please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com that's l-e-a-d-i-n